Coast.io. Welcome to the Coast to Coast Podcast. We are back here with episode 40. I'm your host, Kyle Creasy, and today I'm joined by Jonah May. Jonah, what's up, man? How we doing? Yeah, glad, glad doing wonderful. To- Feeling great. Yeah, good. Glad to have Jonah on. Me and Jonah have been talking for a while, followed each other on Twitter. Um, Jonah puts out some great stuff covering the Timberwolves. Jonah, what all do you do covering Timberwolves? It's I forgot, forget like what you who you specifically cover for. So I cover, I do writing for zonecoverage.com and, and do an article there a week. And then so much of my time is just on Twitter. But not as much nonsense and wolves content. Get some clips in there, get some fun in there, get some memes in there. You know, a good little mix of everything. <laughs> You're you're really a good follow, I I can say. Um, and you're starting up a new pod, right? I am. I collaborating with a couple friends of mine. Uncommon Commentators podcast will be coming on the fifteenth. Got a bunch of plans over there, so I'm excited for that. Uh, get some fun, more creative juices flowing always. Yeah, awesome. I, I love listening to podcasts. So I'll be looking forward to that one. But Thank let's you. get straight into it. We need to talk about one of the. I don't know if we call them hottest teams in the league. They've been playing super well, though. The Minnesota Timberwolves um, coming off a big win last night against the Warriors. They're now sitting at 28-26 and 26 overall at sixth in the Western Conference. Um, after starting, I, I think this team ended up losing like six or seven games in a row. They were 16-21. and 21. They lost to the Pistons on that last game of that losing streak. And things just weren't looking particularly great. Carl Anthony Towns injured. But now in this team's last 16 games, they're 11-5, and 8th in net rating in that period, 5th in defense, and their defense has climbed up to top 10 overall in the season. Some key wins over the Cavs, the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Warriors. What do you think's changed for this team? I, Anthony Edwards' usage has been ridiculous lately, first of all, and he's been fully capitalizing on that. I saw... I think in the that stretch he's averaging around twenty seven a game, and he's been doing it on good efficiency, which we love to see. It's been the primary engine. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has been the key component, I oh, really yeah. think, which is crazy because we many fans just wanted him to be traded because of the weird contract situation with his money. If they don't, if they let him walk, they lose that money and they drop to like half the amount of salary open spot. Um, to fill that spot so that wouldn't be good and you either want to bring him back or you want to get some assets so there was some trade talk and he must have heard it had a 50 40 90 damn near or he might have i don't even it was an incredible month for him catch and shoot numbers were great from three pull-up numbers were great from three him and ant really had like great chemistry which i really liked a lot too it seemed like they were gelling a lot better just playing off each other and to track so much attention towards he takes one step towards the paint and it just collapses and it would set up a lot of D-low catch and shoot opportunities but just being able to have that offensive engine get getting back going considering cats out was just massive yeah for sure and D-low's first month was a struggle but I mean pretty much ever since then I mean this guy's last 34 games Basically 20 points and six assists on 48% shooting, 41% from three on almost eight attempts a game and 89% from the line. Like you said, this guy heard the trade talk and he was like, no, like I'm a really good point guard. Like, like you, need, you need a guy like me. 
And he's been awesome. I mean, just timely buckets for this team, especially late in the fourth quarter. You know, last night in particular had 14 mm-hmm. in the fourth that really kind of changed the momentum whenever they were down. I think it was like 12 at one point. Um, you know, got another guy I wanted to highlight that I think has just really come along for this team and that's really fit in an offseason pickup was Kyle Anderson. Um, this guy, he's just a glue guy. Just an ultimate Love glue guy. slow-mo. Just like a connector on offense, great cutter. Um, and he's actually shooting particularly well for this team this year so far. You know, 47% in the mid-range, which is pretty elite. And, you know, he's not taking many threes, but in the threes he's taking, it's 43.5%. So, I mean, you'll take that any day of the week from Kyle Anderson. You know, he's 82nd percentile in foul drawing. And then defensive end, he's always been super active, but it's just even more amplified. Right now he's 99th percentile in block percentage, 94th percentile in steal percentage. And then just his effect on the floor. I mean, it's a plus 6.1 in net, his on-off stuff when he's on. So I, I really enjoyed seeing him there. Um, I, I like some of the bigger lineups in, in terms of like two through four when he's included in there with Ant. I want to talk about those in a second. But um, how have you felt about slow-mo so far? I love slow-mo. I mean, I was really high on the acquisition when because it came right around the same time as the Go Bear. I think it came a couple days prior to Go Bear acquisition. Um, I was high on it to start with, and I got blown. I'm still blown away by how well he's played for someone that was high on him, which is incredible. Like you said, that being a connector is such a big thing in the league right now because so many people want wings that can shoot and play some defense, but that playmaking element of just making the right play, making the correct play. Uh, he's even even just like some random weird layups that he has at times are incredible. He finds he's had some of the best chemistry with Gobert as well of setting him up for good buckets, whether that's a lob or he has some nice wraparound passes on drives, which has been great. But overall, he off he just covers a lot of ground with this team. He covers a lot of bases. Um, he's been he's been awesome. He's been really great. Yeah, and just kind of branching off on the connecting thing as well. You know, I just I went and made sure here because I thought I knew it, but he is actually in the 91st percentile in assist percentage, which you know, some people kind of give they some people like assist percentage, some don't, but it's ultimately, hey, how like what's the percent of buckets being made while you're in that you assist? And he's assisting like while he's in 20% of the made buckets for the Timberwolves are coming from Kyle Henderson. A lot, yeah. That's the thing is you can look lightly into some of those advanced analytics. And even, I mean, it's not too advanced with like something like assist percentage, but yeah. things like that that you're not seeing the box score as much. When you see him play, it it matches up with that test as well. Just the cohesion that he can bring to a lineup or secondary ball handling alongside someone is, I mean, especially when our, when our backup point guard, Jordan McLaughlin's been out for ages. Wow. Oh, when you can have a guy that can step into that role pretty much is just great. Yeah, and so I just kind of want to talk about some things they've been doing as a team on both ends as well, just kind of throughout this stretch. You know, the offense hasn't been the greatest in terms of, like, numbers or efficiency, like numbers that they're putting up, but there are some things that I like. And, you know, one of the things I like is it's really fast. Like, they're they're trying to score quick. Um, they, they do have pretty prolific shooters from the mid-range and from three right now all throughout. It's just that the problems have been kind of like a lot of turnovers and no real second chance opportunities. Um, so, I mean, it gets kind of gets kind of funky with going through all that, but just some things that I've also liked, you know, just when Nas Reed is in, just all kinds of like early screen actions and he'll be so quick to twist it or just go ahead and ghost out or pop out. And it's just it's really cool to see all that and how he's been for them this year. And just, you know, something that I took note of, I was trying to watch in particular today, trying to pick up on some things. Cause you know, you watch games and like whenever you're like, 
especially teams that you're not, you know, particularly a fan of. There's certain things you may pick up on, some that you don't. So I wanted to take a deeper look and like the past two days specifically. And I've found that like they get into a double drag sometimes in a really funky way. And so it throws teams off. And so they're not really seeing the double drag come. And it really gets a lot of stuff open for them. So that's something that I picked out that I really liked out of the offense. Lots of DHOs as well, especially early in the shot clock, trying to get downhill. It's been, they just have to clean some things up. That, that's it. Like it, it's good actions. Yeah, and a lot of that is just dealing with not having Cat on the floor because that's such an offensive piece. And I think this year Finch was, with Gobert being in the fold, I think this was the year we really wanted to use Cat more as a, a hub up at the top of the arc as a passer. We saw that a ton in the beginning of the year. I was surprised how much we saw Cat and Gobert connecting on lobs to start the season, which is something I never really envisioned or – Jaden uh, is a cutter or Ant is a cutter there. Um, so I think trying to just build around that and try to keep things kind of where they want it to be, um, but also find a balance there. It's tricky with when your big offensive piece is out overall. But kind of like what you said, they do a lot of very simple things that can get really successful actions. Um, and then there's things they got to learn from, like even just ants maneuvering in the pick and roll has to develop a lot. And still some players are having tricky times finding Gobert when he's has a seal under the basket or is wide open. I mean, that's what Anderson's done really well. Yeah. But I mean, that's just the tricky thing about when you trade for such a strange piece within this cohesion that they already had is it's going to take time. And we've seen that. Like we've seen that there's been some really rocky moments. They've been such a team, such a difficult team to dissect. I can't imagine. Like I watch this team every night. I watch all the games. I'll go back, watch clips the next day. And there's still so much stuff that you still don't understand with this team. So it's just that patient process of trying to put it all together. And especially with the offense, like you said, like our, our half court rankings are, solid but when the transition stuff comes up it gets a little bit tricky and ant has some turn if turnover issues here and there like Nas is fun pushing the pace but when gobert's out there it can get a little trickier so it's just kind of you have some pieces there it's just optimizing everything when those certain players are on the floor that gets so difficult which is kind of a benefit but kind of a disadvantage at the same time yeah for sure Completely agree. Um, and I think that one point that you made that I really like is just still trying to figure things out. I mean, ultimately, they've finally kind of gotten – I know Cat is out now and been injured, but, like, they finally got all of, like, their bigger wings available. And that was something they were wanting from day one that kind of took a while. And now that you see those guys, they're truly trying to, like, learn how to read and react off of each other. And – but I do like – how much better they've been on the defensive end because I'm confident that the offensive stuff can kind of click as they keep going because of kind of the versatility of these guys. And so on the defensive end, stuff that I've really liked, you know, there's not a whole lot for me to cover on this part um, unless you want to bring up some other stuff, but like go bear being in drop, it's looking great again. Like it's one of those things early on, maybe it was just the fact that these guys in Minnesota hadn't really played with like a guy like go bear before on that end and being like as good in drop as he is. So it was just a weird adjustment in terms of all the screen navigation besides, you know, Jaden McDaniels. But like the guys knowing where to be now and guys being more comfortable playing off of Gobert, kind of trusting him more, it's looked much better to me. 
and just the switchability from – I mean, you got guys, you know, like I said, they're all back now. It's like Ant, Kyle Anderson, Jaden McDaniels. You know, Nas Reed even has some stuff on the perimeter that looks nice defensively and Tarian Prince. I mean, when you've got five guys like that that you can really rely on to have some – You throw Austin Rivers in the mix too. Yeah, and I mean, he's been solid. Like, uh-huh. when, you've got, when you've got guys like that who just have more length and more versatility, it's it helps a lot, and I think that's a big reason why their defense has been so good here recently. Yeah, I absolutely have to agree with that. And like some of the issues are just very minute details around that. Like for a while, Gobert was being a more lenient kind of on his contests. But a lot of that was because he's the best rebounder on the floor. He wants to be able to get that miss. And when he goes out for a contest and they miss, teams were just tapping it in on the back end. And Ant and Jaden have been a little bit more aggressive on the rebounding front lately, which has been huge with that. Um but just they seem like they're finding more abilities to how they can funnel players back into Gobert and then work back from there. And, I mean, Jaden's got put in such a massive role. He's been figuring out uh, just overall foul issues haven't been as prominent lately, which is awesome because that him off the floor changes every game we played. If you look oh, at yeah. his – you look at the win loss record when he plays like under 25 minutes, it's just ugly. Like he, you keep him on the floor. It's going to be great. And you can put D'Lo more in the corner on a shooter off ball more where there's not going to be any, any actions. He doesn't have to do as much in navigation, which is great. And he can kind of direct traffic back from there, but overall it should really get us, get ourselves a better base for once cat comes back on trying to ease him into that situation. I mean, I feel a lot more comfortable with easing him in now than how we were looking at the coverages earlier on in the year. Even though the, the stats on this stuff earlier in the year are still really solid with the defense, it just got a little bit clunky from time to time. Because I think they were still – the lineups we ran with Cat, I want to say, are still in the 80th percentile. Cat Gobert starting lineup is in like the 80th percentile for defense still. So, well, it's good statistically, yes, 87th. The okay. D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Cat, and Gobert lineup in 541 possessions. So, I mean, that's promising. You still see some clunkiness here and there, but it just it offers a lot more cohesion when we get back into things, which I, I ideally hope is kind of a blessing in disguise with getting Cat back into the mix with coverages overall. Yeah, and, you know, like, I think one thing to particularly highlight, like when looking at, like, that lineup, is when you take into account everybody trying to get used to each other, D'Lo struggle in the first month, you know, Cat was trying to figure out some of the stuff going at the four and playing alongside Rudy and then got hurt. I mean, it's going to be fun to see, hopefully, Cat back, you know, relatively soon or something. But it will be fun to see that lineup, like, really get to play together more as they, you know, everybody besides Cat has figured each other out more. So I'm really looking forward to that. One thing I just really want to point out about lineups is I always find myself intrigued when I'm watching a Timberwolves game and the three of Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, and Kyle Anderson are all on the floor together. Uh, those That trio has played over 1,100 possessions now in the season and has a plus 10 net. Um, they're just they're just fun. Like, they're, they're pretty dynamic. Like, I know Jaden McDaniels is still, you know, figuring some things out offensively, but in my opinion has become a better offensive player, you know, than he was a year ago. And, you know, Ant's Ascension recently, and like we talked about Kyle, it's just fun, and then even whenever you throw in Gobert with those guys, so it's not like it's one thing where it's like, oh, this works because it's small ball. No, when Gobert gets thrown in, 
it's almost half those possessions and it actually goes up to a plus 12.3 in net. So just kind of branching more off like the versatility thing. Um, that's stuff that like keeps me high on this team going forward, especially in a potential like playoff series or something because of the options that they have with a bunch of big wings alongside a really good, uh, cause you know, the thing about Gobert in the playoffs, although some of it is, you know, it's some of it is like his fault, but also it's like, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big Donovan Mitchell fan, but like how much can you do when the guys on the perimeter guarding are Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, Boyan Bogdanovich. I mean, I know Royce was always solid with Rudy, but like, and then, you know, Clarkson off the bench, like how much can you truly do in a playoff setting when those guys are being picked apart and Rudy's having to be put in positions to go basically recover for all of them. So it will be fun in a playoff setting, half court game, to see Rudy be able to be the defensive anchor along with these big, good defensive wings out on the perimeter. Yeah, I've looked into my fair share of Terrence Mann and Reggie Bullock <laughs> and Maxi Kleba playoff clips on that. Uh, I mean, it's really fun to see the development with that because when we came into the season, we knew Jaden would have the big shoes to fill. And we, I mean, Peel. POA defense and not having guys out there that can get hunted all the time looked like a real concern to begin the year because not many guys were shining through. Uh, I mean, especially when a, a perfect way of putting it is when some of these players are out due to injury or whatever, you can really see that hole in the defense and what it creates. So just pointing to uh your point about the ant slow-mo and who was your third player? Jaden. Jaden. Those lineups, it offers a really nice base for them to work around if they want to tinker with some lineups, just being able to have some core players. Like most Kyle Anderson lineups I feel really comfortable with, regardless. Um, but it's great to just have those players you can tinker around with where you can still have some flexibility, but still have some balance within all of that. Um, and pretty much either play to how your opponent's set up or play situationally. It just gives you a little more optionality outside of that while still holding things down pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do think it'll be fun. Hopefully cat back, you know, like I said, relatively soon. You know, obviously D'Lo has been really good, but maybe they experiment with some lineups where they just go like jumbo big. And that could be fun just to watch just entertainment level as well as maybe it's really good. So I am intrigued. Um, and now I kind of want to, you know, pivot to just some individual talk. Um, you know, team's been hot, but I want to talk about individuals in specific. Rudy Gobert obviously made the trade this offseason. So let's revisit it for a second. Um, they, they got Gobert, they traded out Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, uh, Walker Kessler, who they just drafted, Leandro Balmaro, Jared Vanderbilt, and then the four first round picks in 2023, 2025, 2027, 2029, and then the pick swap in 2026. Revisiting it, how do you, how would you say you and the rest of Timberwolves fan base or whatever, how are you guys feeling about it to this point? It's tricky. Because it's so hard to figure out what that team would really be this season if they tried to transfer over a lot of the players from last year. Obviously, that's very tricky. I want to, I mean, Walker Kessler is doing phenomenal for the Jazz, but I always look at the image of if he was here, what opportunities would he be having? Would he be 
he could be he could have been a G League guy and because we had Nas Reed already, then you'd have Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. you'd have Cat. You'd already have uh, a very crowded big room there, which would be very intriguing to look at. Obviously, he's been doing his thing, though. And it would present a lot of issues with Kessler regarding his drop coverage. And it's just kind of swapping that in for Rudy. You got to work around that and figure it out. I I miss Jared Vanderbilt dearly because he's just such a fun, hardworking engine. But, I mean... The picks are always interesting because in theory, it seems very dangerous and it's always up to the other team picking those players, how they're going to develop. You know, you can't. It's so difficult because you can never gauge it until those picks are really conveyed. We're still looking at the I'm sure you see the Paul George and Shea stuff all over the place. It's just a constant dialogue and it seems like that trade happened forever ago. So we're probably going to be back on that train with that. But. Just seeing Rudy hold it down a lot better defensively after kind of a tricky start has been great to see. Uh, I think a lot of it's like we were talking about earlier is just that chemistry with the team developing better defensively. He still has his limitations offensively, but he can. they've been setting him up in better situations where he can just dunk it or they can just use him as just making him more effective by sealing off people or just those little things can go so far with him. Uh, Kyle Anderson in specific has been doing great finding him. We've had a couple more connections with D'Lo and Rudy on offense lately, but just seeing how he fits offensively when Cat comes back as well should be interesting um, and how they're going to space out the floor a little bit better. And shooting's definitely been better with his team lately than it was at the beginning of the year, which I think really just makes Rudy a lot more easier to put out in the offense and figure out what you want to do with him. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things for me going into the season was offensively, like his dynamic with D'Lo, just having like a real, like I know Conley was good for him, but, you know, more of a dynamic playmaker at this point in their career and just kind of seeing how that worked and it's been better. And then I also was just very optimistic about the Rudy and Jaden pairing on the defensive end, how they would impact that in terms of just team defense, uh, because Rudy was always very solid with just paired with Royce in Utah. And so this was like a Royce, but a lot better. <laughs> and so, like, I was intrigued in that. And I think you're like, it's been good all year, but I think it's been amplified in that stretch recently that we're kind of talking about. Just so they, you know, their impact. I mean, I think they're both like legit all defense candidates, um, you know, at this point in the season. And so that's going to be fun to continue to watch. And I, it's just, it's good to see it click because I think my perspective on the trade would be if like this is kind of what you saw from day one, which was a little unrealistic in terms of trying to fit everything together. But if this is what you'd seen from day one and it was kind of what you've been getting now the whole season, I don't think you really, I think you still hear people talk about the trade but I don't think you hear people just grilling it as much as they are. Yeah. I mean, there's always me dialogue around it. That's just how it's going to go. It's still, I mean, I still think about it very often because <laughs> you're trading all these assets and you're getting a player who has limited offensive game and his play style is so predicated on how your scheme is so much of it is around that. Yes. Rudy is still a great player, but if you want him to be the best Rudy, then you have to play to his needs, which they figured out a lot. Um, it was never my like favorite. Like there was rumors about it in the off season. Um, there was him and Clint Capella. I'm like what on earth? Are yeah, they I doing remember that? the Clint Capella rumor. It seemed very confusing at the time because they had always they talked a little bit about 
putting a big next to cat, bringing another big in. And I'm like, okay, like maybe Miles Turner would be cool. He could stretch the floor. He wouldn't be as pricey as some of those other guys. And obviously there was Miles Turner dialogue's been around, trade dialogue's been around forever. So it was an easy uh hold a punch there and just throw him in the throw him in the bunch. But to go out and do that with all your assets for a player that you didn't know was going to fix the issues is about as risky as it gets, especially with a GM that had been there for a couple months, which was just a little chaotic. But like you just said, if you were to look at some of those first 10 games compared to like the last 10 games, I think you really see some genuine growth with this team. And at the end of the day, I don't think we can judge it until cat gets back on the floor. Like, you can you can get things going now and they've the good thing is they've shown the ability to play well with good teams they they've had some really impressive wins this month Uh, a couple of those teams were down a couple pieces but i mean we are as well at the same time (laughs) but um there's i mean you got to show up every night in the league yeah let alone and especially this year it's there's just so much craziness going on in the west right now you lose a game you drop like four spots so just being able to get your wins when you can no matter who the opponent's putting out on the floor and even if it's a good team like warriors are a healthy team right now and they were able to pull it out last night um you just gotta take advantage of those opportunities and see it as growth yeah and you know the rudy thing overall just kind of looking at it from a lens far far away um I think it's going to be okay. Like in terms, I don't think it like it's, I think people will always look at it as overpay and that's more than fair, but I think you just got to kind of live with it at this point. And I don't think overall, unless something else crazy happens, I don't think it ends up being like a disaster that just ruins the franchise basically is what I'm trying to get at. We've the, already seen some terrible stuff. So like <laughs> you got to be positive that at times as, as a fan perspective. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to a very positive note, um, the Anthony Edwards play as a recent, and you kind of already mentioned it already through the stretch where they're 11 and five, he's averaging like 27 a game. But specifically in the last eight games, he is averaging just under 32 points a game with over six rebounds and around five and a half assists, shooting basically 50% from the floor and almost 44% from three on almost 10 threes a game. <laughs> and I mean, he looks like a legit superstar. And, I mean, he's shown those flashes before, but it's like this was kind of like a type jump that I feel like a lot of people were expecting from day one. You know, he he showed improvement last year. He had the playoff series, was really good in it. And so people were kind of starting the dialogue of, like, this is his team. And it is, I think, to this point. Um, but people, you know, really wanted that being claimed from day one. And all the clunkiness, like we mentioned before, seems to be a recurring theme. But here he is basically killing as a three-level scorer, doing whatever he wants from any part of the floor um, in a variety of ways as well. Uh, What have you been most impressed with, either, you know, one thing, a few things, as he's just been torching the league in this stretch? I like you bringing up the point of three-level scorer because his mid-range has really come along during this stretch, which has been great to see. He does – I mean, there's still the shot selection issues here and there, but then sometimes he just makes the shots, and it's like, all right, I guess we just live with that if he's going to make them. like. It gets difficult. Um, I saw a couple statistics on Twitter about how he 
for basketball index talking about he was in like the sixth percentile for shot quality at the rim, but was in like the 90th plus for finishing at the rim. And it's just ridiculous. Like the difficulty of shots he's taking and making has been incredible. Uh, so much, like you said, was that buzz in the offseason after his playoff series being his first career playoff series. And he was the best player on our team in that series. Be able to do that when he was, I think he was still 20 at the time. Second year player. That's incredible. He's still younger than some rookies or not some rookies, but some second year players. I believe he's younger than Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes, which is crazy. But I mean, there's still so much to learn in his game, which is the crazy part. So you can you can still get down on him and uh, be critical, which is crazy because he can still clean up some turnover issues. The handle has looked better this year, uh, especially when like attacking around the rim, trying to maneuver. But there's still so much room for growth. There's been some good on-ball reps defensively. Off-ball can be a little tricky for him. Sometimes he gets out of position or just falls asleep, but... He's carrying a lot of load on offense, so you can't look too far behind it. But I've been really happy with what Ant's been doing lately. And I mean, obviously, I want him in the all-star consideration. They're going to announce that tonight as we're recording. Hey, he's playing great for us. You can't be mad about it. Uh, Him being in that upper echelon of players in his third season is just great to see, especially when he has that larger role over this stretch. Yeah, and I, and I would have to imagine that Timberwolves fans just have to be very pleased with the trajectory that he's on at this point in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Especially after tricky start to his rookie year, many of us were. I mean, he was such a tough player to scout anyways because he played at Georgia and they didn't have much talent around him, wasn't the best team. He was just kind of doing whatever and taking shots, which made his shot selection look bad. and. There's some weird articles that came out about him not liking basketball, and it was just weird stuff overall. I mean, some of that is still transferred across the board, but when you look at that as just a couple seasons ago, it's really incredible to see that scoring boost and also just those those tertiary pieces of being a better facilitator here and there, being able to make some reads. His Euro step is unstoppable right now, even though it's like the only like move he uses which is hilarious but just that overall uptick uh a linear uptick from the start is always fantastic to see from young players yeah and like obviously the scoring is amazing but i think even just the little things too that i've been very impressed with and you kind of touched on two of them a little bit is the playmaking is coming along and although the defense can be a little rough at times i've really liked the buy-in just, you know, he's playing hard on that end most of the time from from what I've been watching. And also just the proof of, hey, I can be a really good off-ball player. Like, it's just I have a lot of responsibility, but no, I'm not a one-dimensional heliocentric player. No, I have a lot of versatility both on or off the ball. So if we can get me more involved off the ball, some especially with D'Lo playing like this, I can become even more dangerous, what has ha- which has happened more in the last 15, 20 games. Yeah, you pointing on that is a big part because his catch-and-shoot numbers have been phenomenal for just a score like his placement that he's in around a lot of scores. And as a young player, he's, a, he's taking 2.6 catch-and-shoot threes a game, and he's shooting 44.6 on those. 
which is just you love to see. And then 4.8 pull-up threes a game, and he's shooting 33.3% on them, making 1.6 of those. So I think you'll live with that. Like The three-point volume and to be able to shoot on that level and with a lot of – especially the pull-up jump shots, it's, he's taken such difficult shots. And you look at great players like Donovan Mitchell who are – phenomenal at those pull-up threes and they're just a little bit ahead of him um it's great to see him be inching into that territory of just great players when you look deep into the statistics like that and the catch and shoot stuff is just awesome to see he he really came on with a lot of that last season it's it's great to see that transfer over and just have him sit in a corner on the wing while someone else operates and he can still be such a threat there and draw some gravity over. Yeah, so Ant, definitely going to be a superstar. Um, we, I could talk a long time about him, but we got some other things to cover. Um, let's talk about Cat for a second. Um, yesterday, some interesting news, slash comments, whatever you want to call it. Um, Tim Connolly was kind of talking a little bit. Carl Anthony Towns uh, was interviewed, I think. And, you know, he going back to it, he had the calf strain in November. And like at the end of November, and he has not played since. And the reported timeline back then was like four to six weeks. And Cat actually said yesterday, I believe, that that was always pretty unrealistic. Um, and then Tim Connolly has just pretty much reiterated that this is indefinite for now and that there's no set timetable. So how are you kind of feeling to this point about, you know, maybe optimism and Cat being back relatively soon? Are you kind of worried a little bit at this point? I mean, there's a little worry there. We've already been through some cat injuries in the past, so I don't put it too far into the worry category. If it was a guy like Ant or Rudy, I might have a lot more concern just because we might not know as much, but we went through a couple cat uh, wrist injuries, and he was he was banged up last year a lot. So, I mean, you never want to rush a guy back from injury. That's the first thing. We saw Kevin Durant get rushed back from a calf injury in the finals that one year, ended up with an Achilles injury. I mean, Cat was very lucky to just have this be a half strain for such a weird non-contact running up the floor and transition injury that it was so obviously want to give the guy his time to get his recovery going but at the same time it'd be great to see him this season because we got one two 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 months two weeks left in the season which is crazy enough we're getting into that home stretch uh especially if you want to get towards playoff time and are looking for a realistic timeline of him being back for the playoffs, being able to ease him back in would be terrific. I think that's what their greatest goal should be with him. And there's the great thing is there's a lot of ways they can optimize him into the offense and put him to the side a little bit on defense with this team more than they could in past years. And past years, they'd be relying on him more. And it overall gives them a lot more freedom of how they can manage the situation if it's going to take a lot longer than we we think it is. But a lot of that is just him getting back within the next month and a half. Uh, If it's any longer than that, it gets a little more concerning with like 10-ish games left in the season. So I think that's kind of a safe timeline to put on things, but it's tough with those, those muscle injuries and lower, lower body injuries for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you obviously like, you hope long term that it's nothing that really affects him, especially considering, you know, what they signed over the summer, that extension. I mean, it's massive. So, you know, definitely take care of it because although it would be great to have him right now, I'm 
totally agree with you. That's not something you don't want that contract to turn into a disaster because you ruined it because you were rushing an injury, especially like in year like you know Gobert, Ant, Cat, all pretty much locked in long term. So it's one of those things where it's like you don't want to ruin this experiment by rushing a guy in year one of the experiment. <laughs> exactly, especially so, a guy you have such good relations with and has been around the team okay. forever. Has been through coaching changes i mean he's seen about as much as you can see for many players in their first handful seasons for a franchise so you always want to keep things on good terms with your with your with your guy yeah and you know one one thing i just wanted to ask you about cat before we move on is you know we obviously know a little bit of what the vision of cat with this group was in the small sample size but I just want to know from Jonah's vision, Jonah's point of view, where do you envision Cat on both ends of the floor for this team, you know, in a ideal world where he's back and playing with the rest of this group? Ideally, I want to see a lot more of his three-point volume come into the team. Uh, like I said earlier, using him as a hub at the three-point line, he does really well, especially at the top of the arc. He can catch there and I think he did it a lot. He he likes to catch a lot on the top of the arc, which I think they're going to have to do a lot more because if you do more post-up opportunities for him, that just leads to more doubles and more clogging up the paint with Rudy. So I think keeping him at the top of the arc there can kind of like what Jokic does a lot there. You have a lot of options. You can have dribble handoffs there, players moving around, players cutting. Jaden can develop into that a little bit better. And I mean, Jaden is good enough at three point catch and shoot. So he can be good, good on the court with cat. And then you plug in Ant and D'Lo who have proven that they're good off the catch as well, which I think helps a lot. So just using him as a hub operating up there and he can always pull the trigger if the big sags off a little bit. So I think that's a really great way of how they can get him involved once he comes back and, show some more of his playmaking that looked like it took a step when the season started off. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think my biggest concern always when they, cause the report before they ever even made a trade, you know, there was the rumors of they want cat to be the four. They want cat to be the four. And I, I was always just concerned because that meant more perimeter defense from a guy who is not particularly a very good perimeter defender. Um, so where do you think they could find ways to maybe I don't know if you want to call it hide him more or allow him to still compliment Rudy in a decent way without kind of putting him in spots where he's having to do too much. Is there something that you think could work there or is that, Hey, you know, we still don't truly know what Finch wants to experiment with there. I think a lot of it was just his overall instincts is knowing what he used to be as a player in his role and wanting to play on top of that. I think they put him in the right spots. There's a lot of instances where, They'd have Rudy in the drop, and maybe there'd be a guy in the dunker spot who would get dropped off to, or a guy would get around Rudy. Cat would come flying from the corner and try to provide some help side defense, and then the corner three would be wide open. So little things like that he really just has to figure out. And uh, he had he didn't play in the preseason as well, and I know he had and he had an illness for a while there, so he dropped some weight. So can still look back at that a little bit as well for just not i mean he had a lot going on at the time so i don't dig too much too deep into it um 
The one thing I don't like is his hips are like incredibly high when he's on defense. He looks like he's like dancing around on the perimeter. Um, it's 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 funny stuff sometimes. Uh, you'll see it on Twitter, of course, because that's how it works. But um, I think they did put him in solid situations, though. Overall, it was just kind of you really got to drill that into your brain from past habits and uh, just become a smarter player on that side of the court has been kind of a development for him for a while. Is just staying out of foul trouble, being able to be him as a weak side rebounder is going to be great when Rudy goes out to contest players out of drop. That's where he can show a lot of value in the future, especially for a team that's given up a lot of offensive rebounds just because of the lack of re I mean, Kyle Anderson's been helping out a lot with that. And, and, and uh, Jaden, Jaden really has been stepping up lately. Like I said, cause compared to his positional group, he's not a good rebounder whatsoever. So cat getting into the action there will be nice. Uh, especially after we saw us get demolished by Memphis last year with Brandon Clark. And even when we played him the other day, Xavier Tillman was getting a bunch of offensive rebounds off of misses. So, I think they're they got a good plan with putting him in the right spot. It's just going to be that acclimation process once again with that. Yeah, I think that's some great insight. You know, hopefully, Cat is healthy soon. Definitely would hate it if we kind of missed out on really seeing the full iteration of the team. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Obviously, no timetable, but you know, hope hope Cat's all right and hope he gets back in the rotation. Um, a few little wrap ups before we go. I want to talk about kind of, you know, maybe potential trade target or guys who may be traded from the roster. Um, you know, I think that they're in a good spot roster wise overall, um, and they don't have a ton of flexibility, you know, lack of assets via the Rudy trade, as well as, you know, being locked into a lot of money. Um, I think that like the one option may have been trade Delo, but I think that that door should be shut at this point. I'm not sure that you're going to get great value in return considering what he's actually doing for you at the moment. Um, I would assume that the rest of the Timberwolves fan base is pretty much off that ship as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was looking rough for a while there, especially after a rocky, I don't even know how he did in December, but it was just a rocky overall half, half start of the season. But that January really flipped a lot of our heads and just saw him buying in so he's for sure safe and you know you're just gonna get role players in exchange for him because it's so hard to match salaries especially when you still need a point guard coming back so yeah and i think you just have to take the gamble of hope we retain him in the offseason but taking that gamble is much better than trading a dude who at this point for the majority of the season has been an elite player especially just dynamic offensively for two guys who are could be a seventh, eighth, maybe like ninth man type guy on most teams. So that's that's not worth it for a guy that, like I said, over the past 34 games is putting up 20 and six on elite efficiency. Just never worth it in any scenario. Um, so that's totally out the window. I think that the two guys to – well, okay, before I get into these two, I do want to point out kind of talking about the current roster. Like, for instance, The Athletic put out an article today saying, like, you know, this is what all 30 teams need. And – their point about the Timberwolves specifically was need three and D, but it's also like they admitted this is kind of lazy because every team needs yeah, <laughs> every team needs three and D. So it was like, I'm not so sure that there's just like a huge 
whole, besides more like perimeter defense, maybe, which like that also any team could use it. But, mm-hmm. you know, besides maybe like the Celtics or something, <laughs> but, but like, but like there's not just a bunch of huge gaping holes in my opinion. It's really just putting pieces together. So I think that's good for them as they approach the trade deadline. Um, but two names specifically that I think need to watch are one, Nas Reed and two, Jalen Noel, and both of which really because it's really small contracts, they're probably going to have some market value out with other teams and they're going to be unrestricted free agents this offseason. Um, which one of the two, if you know, I'd assume there's a chance both might get moved, but which one of the two do you think is probably more likely to be moved? Yeah, I was you read my mind. I was just about to get to this point, uh, especially with Nas playing very well when both our centers are out as our third string center, if you want to put it and make him look even better. Um, I think I think Nas is the one guy that you really want to look to sell high on the most because there's teams such as the Nets, the Clippers. I mean, even Boston could want another center. They've had interest through rumors. Uh, I'm missing another team. There's a market for Denver. him for sure. Denver, Denver yes, yeah. correct. Denver as well. So you have a lot. Of, I mean, those teams are good teams also. They are going to be very in on the center market. And I can't think of like buyout guys off the top of my head that would be worth anything. And like, you're not going to put uh, some specific players out there on how talented some of these teams are. So they're going to look for someone that they could theoretically play in the playoffs. So. I think if they could sell high on Nas, it would be great because you don't know if they're going to bring him back this offseason with him being unrestricted and already have two centers under the books for the most money on your cap sheet. You got to pay Ant here soon. Jaden's contract is getting larger. His extension's getting larger by the day. Like, So I think overall trading Nas out would probably be the best option. I don't know what Noel's market would really be because he's just such a streaky player, microwave scorer. You never know what you're going to get from him on a night-to-night basis. If they could get him back cheap, maybe it'd be all right. But you can look in another market for his kind of archetype, really. You can find that a lot easier than you can find other spots. And I think a lot of the Nas stuff comes back to when Cat will be back. And you still have solid options behind him and Garza and Nate Knight. They're not fantastic by no means, but they can cover they can cover a hole if you need them to for a little bit. And kind of form, you can kind of take a little bit from each of their skill sets and form one player, if you want to put it that way. But I mean, that they they should be grateful they have that much depth in behind that. Nods being chopped could even be an option. Yeah, I'm glad. I just want to say first, I'm glad Nathan Knight got mentioned in this podcast. Shout out to him. He's just been, you know, getting in and he's fun. That he's gotten so shout out to him. Always love to see stuff like that. Um, I hundred percent agree with you on trading Nas while the value's high because that's something where although I've loved watching Nas with them he does some good things he's performed well when he started and I think it's like eight games this year um but ultimately with who's locked in and Cat and Rudy down there Nas will never be a starter slash long-term big minute guy so 100% agree on probably trying to sell high you know as long as something's there like I'm I think they're ultimately probably better kind of sitting it out and maybe seeing what's available in the offseason if, like, there's just very minimal offered for him. Um, You know, I don't think you sell really low. And to the Noel point, 
I do think there may be a small kind of market for him, like like taxpayer MLE type stuff, like in the in free agency. Um, but I do think, you know, I think Shams actually wrote an article that like Noel's leaning towards just not wanting to come back to Minnesota. So it would be interesting there. I wanted to kind of just mention one thing to you because Bones has been somewhat connected to Minnesota, at least in a small way, since apparently Denver's looking to move on from him. How realistic do you think a Noel for Bones swap could be? And would you be interested in that? The Bones thing is tough because, I mean, the team control alone already gives him value over Noel. And then Bones is a tough read because he's those players that he's a player that's really fun, but he also has a lot of holes in his game defensively as well as just efficiency wise. He's such a microwave as well. Um, the thing that I, I he's kind of what I wish Noel could be because I love that Noel offers really good rim pressure and he has a really good finishing bag, but his three point shot has just been miserable this year. If he could have Bones shot instead and flip that around, that'd be terrific. I just think the assets, the extra assets it would take for us to dive into that wouldn't be worth it. And hate to say it, but on a good playoff team, Bones could be playing less than 10 minutes to be in a DNP some nights in a tight series when teams like we could favor Austin Rivers over him just because he can offer that shooting from the corners and catch and shoot as well as some defense. So it gets really tricky when you look into the perspective of playoffs. And I, I think that that's a great point because if you even go back to his rookie season last season and the playoffs last season, I mean, Bones probably isn't getting minutes on last year's team if everybody's healthy, just considering Monte Morris is still there as well. And this was, you know, one of the best backup point guards in the league in his time with Denver. So yeah, there's a reason why they're uh, prioritizing Christian Brown over him yes. right now. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, Zach Lowe said it really well in his podcast recently of like, there is a use for a Bones guy at some point just because you never know when he may just erupt for Zach said like 16 points in a playoff game or just even in a big time regular season game. But it's also just the holes are just really amplified of just the defense and the efficiency and the decision making. And those flaws matter. I mean, they do matter in a yes. really big way. And, you know, that could a guy like Bones, although he is entertaining and fun to watch, four or five thrown away possessions could be the game in a playoff game. And so I think that's where it gets really. Michael Malone's the guy that's not going to play around with that too. (laughs) Yeah. So those two have definitely not seen eye to eye. And I think that, I think why that's really getting some traction now. Um, But it will be interesting to see. I I would assume that. I think one of the two of Noel or Nas is gone. I think there's a chance both are gone. I would be very surprised if both are on the roster after the trade deadline. Absolutely. I, I, it's just, I mean, it's the easiest guys to predict, but it's also the most comfortable guys you can move and still have some flexibility because just so much of the core is driven around uh, so many of our rotational players already. And then you're going to be adding Jordan McLaughlin cat back at some point, hopefully too. So that could easily push. I think Noel would be out of the rotation if he was, if we were fully healthy, which is the thing. So if you could cash in anything there, go for it. Um, and then Nas, like we said earlier, it's just that tricky situation around the money. 
got to make some tough decisions. Uh, but just some moves around the margins wouldn't be the worst things for this team, even if it's even if they quote unquote lose the trade and getting a couple assets back for guys you could use lose straight up is a small a small good it's it's a, it's a solid little idea for them to look into. I I I agree completely because you know like you said even if it is a even if T Wolves did lose the trade in theory, I mean even a second round pick along with maybe a fringe rotation guy is better than, Hey, we lost this guy for nothing. Um, so, you know, I know I talked earlier about, I don't mean that as much for Nas, but definitely with Noel. Um, Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I want, I think the team's got like 28 games left in the regular season. Um, what are your general expectations going forward and potentially postseason? Yeah, I mean, it's as hard as it is to project the West. I think targeting top six for this team would be a great goal of something that's within the realm of possibilities, but also uh, enough where you're pushing your team and they still got to take take care of business to get there. It's where they're sitting right now with Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, New Orleans, Portland, OKC, and the Lakers under them as close contenders, all within... Two game, three games, which is just crazy. Um, but I think you can confidently put them over a lot of those teams. Uh, a lot of other teams are having tricky situations too. And if you can continue that cohesion they have going, they can. I mean, even looking ahead at the Clippers and Mavs and Kings, they could. It's it's a lot of the same situations with so many of these teams of just where there's really creative instances with every team across the league. So it's just hard. They just got to take care of business and you can't pigeonhole yourself thinking about the circumstance you're in when so many other teams are around that same spot. So getting that guaranteed spot in the top six would be great. But at the end of the day, make the playoffs. They've shown the regular season that they've, they can compete with Denver and the Grizzlies, Denver and the Grizzlies and make things interesting. So I think just get into the playoffs and see what happens is a great goal for this team, but you always, you always want to avoid the play in. Yeah. And I think that it can be looked at in one of two ways. And I think that the optimistic way to look at this is the Kings defense is terrible. They've kind of shown more, you know, susceptibility to lose some games here recently. They're not as scorching hot as they were. I know they're, they are, you know, to give them credit 73 in their last 10, but they look a lot more like a average team because of the defensive flaws. The shots uh, were off in the games against us, and it yeah. made it a whole different ballgame. Yeah, and then you have the Clippers, who to this point are you know kind of holding off, even though they've not gotten a ton of games out of both Kawhi and Paul George. It's obviously increasing as we go, but still overall. But the problem there is that the upcoming schedule is extremely hard for that team. Um, you've got the Mavs got to get in. They can beat anyone. That's the thing. Yeah. That's probably what's on. Oh, there. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got the Mavericks who, you know, to this point, um, they're struggling. Obviously, no second. Um, who knows, you know, maybe at the deadline, this is a team who kind of not pivots, but maybe make some moves to stack po- stockpile some more assets to maybe do something down the road. It's just very, you don't really know what's going on with them. And then, You've obviously got your teams below them that have their problems as well. And when I mean, when you look at it, but here's what gets kind of scary, I guess. 
is that, yes, they are three games back from being the third seed, but they are also three games ahead from being the 13th seed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it gets tricky, and I think what concerns me a little more is they're nine, they're nineteen and nine at home, I think, on the season, and they're nine and fifteen on the road. And of their twenty-eight remaining games, seventeen are on the road, eleven are at home. I never try to look too deep into that, but if there was a reason to be pessimistic or to be like, okay, I'm a little concerned, I think that's why for me. They for sure have a tough schedule too. I saw a statistic on Twitter the other day. I think they had the third most difficult stretch for the rest of the season regarding teams win percentage currently so but at the same time they've been playing good against better teams and they've been playing down to the competition of bad teams so you can look it through that lens but i mean it should make for an exciting finish which is all you can really ask for and see them play some good teams and see what they can do yeah but it it will be interesting for sure um but that's that's pretty much it Jonah, I'm glad we were finally able to work this out. I'm glad the Timberwolves started playing better, so I felt like it was a good time to talk about them. Um, guys, Jonah's Twitter, you know, if you're listening, um, let me pull it up real quick. At Huncho underscore J-Man. Great follow, great coverage, post some clips and stuff. Like you said earlier, some memes. Really good Timberwolves content, but just a good NBA follow in general. Um, so, Jonah, again, glad we were able to work it out. Really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Had a good time. Always love talking about my Wolves. Yeah. So hopefully we can get it going the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. And I, it's a team I'll be watching closely. But, uh, you know, hopefully later on down the road, we can have you back on again and talk some more to you at some point. There we go. So with that being said, this is the end of Episode 40 of the Coast to Coast Podcast. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs>